This is episode 736 of the Prepper Website Podcast, where I connect you with resources that will help you live a more self-reliant life so you can love your people, get prepared, and live free. On this episode, health and food shortages with Dr. Joe Alton and Nurse Amy of Doom and Bloom. Hey, I'm Todd Sepulveda, the editor of PrepperWebsite.com. This podcast is usually an audible version with some commentary of articles that have been posted on Prepper Website. But from time to time, I interview members of the preparedness community who can bring a ton of value and information to your preparedness. Links for this podcast can be found in the show notes. Hey, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Prepper Website Podcast. Hey, listen, recently I did a survey and sent that out and uh, shared that out to the email group, the exclusive email group. I put that out on Prepper Website and shared it in a couple of different places One of the things that came to the very top, which was very different than other surveys that I've done, is right now people are looking at their health as their number one personal concern. And so when I started seeing that, I I immediately thought of Dr. Bones and Nurse Amy, uh, Dr. Joe Alton and Nurse Amy Alton of doomandbloom.net and thought that it would be a good idea to have them on the podcast So without further ado, I'm not going to give you a bunch of other intro stuff. I want to jump into this episode with them. I think it's very informative and something, honestly, with where we are in society and how things don't seem to go back to normal and things could possibly continue to get worse and worse. Our health is one of those things that we really need to be thinking about and making sure that we are taking care of it and doing everything that we can. That is one of the things in preparedness that we don't always talk about. We talk about the gear, we talk about the the food uh, storage and water storage and all that different kind of stuff, but really our health is should be a number one priority. So let's go ahead and jump into this episode with Dr. Joe Alton and Nurse Amy Alton of doomandbloom.net. Hey everyone, I have Dr. Joe Alton and Nurse Amy on the podcast again. Hey guys, welcome to the Prepper Website Podcast. Hello. Hey, hey guys. Great to be here. Thank you so much for having us. It's uh, I, it's still very hard for me, you know, since the very beginning, it was always like Dr. Bones and Nurse Amy. <laughs> it's, it's still hard for me to, I got to, you know, just really think about calling you Dr. Joe, Dr. Joe Alton. <laughs> you can call me Bones. <laughs> we, we're really glad that you are here and uh, to talk a little bit about health. Uh, the, one of the real reasons why I have you on or I thought about you guys I recently did a survey and to, to the website and to the podcast listeners and to my exclusive email group. And I, I just asked them to, just regular questions that I normally, it's actually the survey was uh, a replay of, of a survey that I asked or did probably about four years ago. And I saw one of the, the big changes was the, the one concern that preppers have right now, the one personal concern is their health. And that's, that's a big change. I mean, second is finance and, or their finances. And we understand that. Um, And that probably was the big one back, back in the day, but health was a new thing. And when I started seeing that come through, I started, I I wanted to wait and see, okay, if it was going to straighten out or, or whatever, but, but it didn't uh, health was, you know, the, the biggest concern that people had. So I thought about you guys, because y'all have been in the preparedness community, you understand preppers, uh, you you know you've you've written tons of articles, videos, got books on Amazon and out there that are so popular. I mean, we'll talk about that at the at the very end. But uh, you know, I just wanted to bring you guys on. So with with that thinking about that survey, 
and health, is that some of the same things that y'all are seeing right now on your side? Sure. You know that a lot of people have become very insecure about their health as a result of getting, I guess, a wake up call that we aren't immune to things like pandemics and viral illness and, and things like that. And so I think that a lot of people have seen uh, the injury, the sickness and, and the deaths that have occurred from the COVID pandemic and realize that, you know, gosh, you know, if there are other people, some of which are, were otherwise previously healthy that can get sick and maybe very sick uh, from something that just happens to cross the pond and, you know, in, infect uh, all sorts of different communities. Well, you know, I think that a lot of people are just no longer really confident that they are going to remain healthy. Yeah, I, I agree. And then something that, you know, is always in the back of our minds right now, especially, I mean, I had a COVID issue and it was just like here in, in, in February and I'm like, we went through all these years and we're like, we're good and everything. And then all of a sudden I got it. And uh, it's like, it's still that reminder that, that you can get it and uh, you know, you can deal with it and different people have different responses to it. Uh, I, I had it for a long period of time. My family, all my, everybody that lives in my house had it for two or three days and they were done. And uh, it just kicked my butt a little bit, a little bit more, probably because of my immune system and, and just uh, how busy I've been and, and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, I think, I think this is just a reminder of how fragile, but we always talk about how fragile our infrastructure is and our economy (laughs) and all those different kinds of things. But, you know, our bodies are, are pretty great, you know, great machines. God has created this, 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 this great vessel, but at the same time, you know, we got to be careful and, and make good decisions along the way. Absolutely. I mean, our bodies are really miracles of divine engineering. And I, I really believe that, um, our body heals them heals itself much more often than you know you would expect but there are a lot of things that can happen and we have to be prepared for them so yeah you still have to be wise and, and discerning so be, be, before we jump into the questions um, of health and stuff i just wanted to kind of pick your brains uh, on the current state of affairs so what what are your thoughts right now on the current state of affairs as it pertains to economy and food shortages and the things that you're hearing in the news right now? Well, my concern is what's going on with inflation. Th- uh, forces are, are pushing inflation to, gosh, 40, 45 year highs. Uh, and I think that a number of things are causing that. There are a series of these economic stimulus packages that have uh, come around and been helpful, of course, in, in the pandemic, but it's enabled commuter, consumer spending to exceed pre-pandemic levels. And what happens is many workers were either afraid to work, return to work, or or afraid, uh, unable to do so because let's say school or workplaces were just not open, they weren't able to go to work. It forced people to stay at home. And that wound up decreasing the production of goods. If you're not obviously producing goods, well, there's, that's a problem. So Spending also shifted from services to goods, and that exceeds the production capacity of the goods sector. The increased demand for scarce goods led it still and it is still leading to inflation, and in the or in the case of food shrinkflation, where say the price of Kraft American Singles 
has stayed the same, but the number of slices you get, well, that decreased has decreased per package. So uh, had a lot. There have been a lot of things that really affect the uh, economy, and that things that are that are not going away. Okay, they're not going to make bags, uh, bo- bo- uh, packages of craft singles bigger in the future. It's not going to come back. Yeah. And uh, I think that uh, with the loss of oil independence in the last couple of years mm-hmm. also has a lot to do with it. Uh, the supply chain crisis, all, all of it's come together and make a perfect storm, I think, of rising prices. And uh, these uh, and, and lack of production of goods. And so this has caused notice, noticeable gaps in uh, grocery shelves. Right. So, and there's also the paper shortage. I don't think a lot of people who are not in the paper industry or who are not writing books or using cardboard boxes to ship things don't realize, I mean, people, there's a wood shortage, you know, people who are using lumber and building houses and things like that know this, but, but moving down the rung is when it turns into paper. We have a huge paper shortage. I literally ordered a thousand books in December. I am now in April getting portions of those books because they're getting portions of paper finally. And it's difficult. It's really difficult. I I have another order and they're telling me they have no idea when they're going to have the paper for it. And there's always additional. It's just been nuts. So there are always additional stressors in our uh, area in Gatlinburg, where we spend part of the year. There is another big giant fire towards 4,000 acres, 5,000 acres knocked down that burnt you know, 200 homes to the ground. And, and now you have all those materials that have to be produced to rebuild these houses. So, uh, it, and they're just not just, out there. It's just, it's always a continual series of events that wind up uh, causing a downward spiral in, in terms of, uh, in terms of the economy. I mean, it keeps people employed, but when you don't have the goods to make a house, for right. example, or to make a book, well, you know, then that affects you, that affects business, and affects the economy. You don't need the jobs if you don't have the the right. actual materials. The other thing that I'm a little worried about to make all of this even worse is not just what um, Putin's doing in Ukraine, but as a side effect, China says, "Aha! Well, let's go into Taiwan since." That's working out pretty well for Russia and nobody's come in and, you know, stopped him. Maybe we'll just, you know, quietly over here when no one's paying attention to us, just take over Taiwan. Taiwan makes pretty much all the chips for everything that's electronic, your dishwasher, your washing machine, your car, every electron, your computers. I ordered him a computer in November. I did not get it until, what, two weeks ago? Right. They kept saying delay, delay. It was Hewitt Pack- Packard. I mean, we're not talking about some obscure company. These people make millions of computers. Five months to get a single computer that was not fancy. I mean, right. so- I just, it's it's everything. So if, if we have an issue with Taiwan and we start putting sanctions, can you imagine sanctions on China where we get everything, our medicines, everything that you see on the shelves, everything that you buy, is pretty much from China, or at least has some products from China in it. And if you don't have those, you can't make the completed product. So right, a lot of I these, don't see this getting better. And a I lot think- of these electric cars use lithium batteries, and almost all the lithium comes from China. 
So everyone who goes out and buys an electric car because gas prices are so up, when you go to need to change your batteries, there might not be any available. I mean, it's just, I, I don't see it getting better. I'm getting nervous. <laughs> well, I mean, you, you don't even need China to go into Taiwan. I mean, they're they're shutting down just because of COVID. And yeah. so right. that's going to be a big disruption. And I, to your point about the, the computer, I mean, that's, that's what I deal with, you know, at the district office that I work at. And, you know, we've ordered 3000 laptops and they, they're trickling in, which in the past, that wasn't the case, but they, they just start to trickle in. And you're right. That's one of those things that uh, we're just going to have to deal with. You know, you, you said the perfect storm and you have all these different things and you talked about all the, the things that are happening on the, on the global scale, but then we all have our personal issues and we have personal things that we're dealing with. So all these things combine to put, I think you, you said it stress on where we are, whether it's financial stress, but health, you know, relationships, all those different kinds of things. Um, I recently had my own COVID experience and I really think that stress played a big part in wearing down my immune system. I don't know. That's just my, you know, that's Dr. Todd just <laughs> trying to talk there, you know, and, and think about that. Um, let me ask you a question. Is, is this stress and dealing with stress as it relates to health and not mental health? We know that that is, you know, people are having a lot of issues with that, but is it a concern for physical health? You know, what, what can preppers do if that's the case, what can preppers do now, but also in an SHTF situation to help their health, um, you know, to, to rest, relax, pray, meditate, wh whatever it might be to help them when they are stressed and not allow their, their physical bodies to go into, uh, I don't know, into this, this ah. nasty, yeah, this, this, this thing where you're, you're able to get sick and not recover as quickly. Before I answer that, what was COVID like for you? So I'll tell you my, um, my, so my, my family got, well, I'll tell you, I think I know who gave it to me. I'm going to say that I haven't, uh, I haven't been public about it, but I'm pretty <laughs> sure I know who it was. And one of the things they kept saying was, uh, I promise it's just allergies. It's just allergies. <laughs> you know. And so when I started feeling the little tickle in my throat, I'm like, guys, it's, it's allergies. I had a little cough. I was coughing. I was trying to make, you know, manage the cough, but I was coughing. Uh, my parents came over and that was one of the things that we were just really trying to protect my parents, uh, you know, with, with COVID and, and make sure that they didn't get it. And sure. so, uh, they're, you know, they're elderly and the whole deal, but it wound up, it wound up happening that um, my, my wife started, well, I, I, my cough got worse. Um, I stayed home on a Monday just to make sure I got, went and got tested. I tested negative uh, and then went to work on Tuesday. My wife left work early because she wasn't feeling uh, well. She she couldn't get warm, which is very very rare for her. Most of the time, I'm sitting in a in a sweatshirt because my house is so cold because she likes it cold. And so she went home. By the time I got home, she was under the covers. She was really cold. She couldn't get warm. I was checking her temperature. She didn't run a fever. My son came home from you, you know going to work and then going to to school, and he came home and it was like nine thirty. And he just looked worn out and uh, he, he got under the covers and he same kind of thing. My wife never ran fever, but my other son did run fever and my other son just, he was kind of cold, but they all got over it in two to three days. I was actually taking care of them. I was actually taking care of them up until like Thursday night when I started running fever and I ran fever for like nine days. 
Um, wow, nine days, nine, wow. nine days, a low grade fever, but I was also taking you know, Tylenol and ibuprofen and the whole deal and, and, and doing that. Um, watching the oxygen levels, it probably got a little lower than, than it should have, should have, um, oh my gosh. Do, doing things that, um, just, just managing the cough and stuff like that. Finally, um, uh, got in touch with a doctor who specializes in COVID and, you know, paid a little bit more money, but got the stuff that I needed to be able to get, get through it. But I even had like an infusion through IV and it still didn't, mm-hmm. didn't touch it. Um, you know, so it was just on, you know, taking the medicine, it took time to get better. Um, and, and I never lost taste. I never lost smell. Uh, I love to eat. So that's, that was a good thing. Right. But uh-huh. I, I did lose 17 pounds because I just, My gosh. I, I didn't want to eat, you know, I wasn't eating and I'm trying to keep that off. So that's probably one good thing about the whole deal, but it was, it was very different here in my house because everyone else was two to three days over, uh, got, got over it. And mine was a lot longer. And I think mine uh, really had to deal with that stress in my immune system. There was, there was leading up to the time that I got sick. It was a very, very stressful situation for me at work and things that were, were going on. And so I really think that that kind of uh, hit me and wore me down even, even more. And that's why I, I have this question for you. And so maybe I'm off again. That's Dr. Todd talking, but I um, wanted to bring that up. No, no. Well, first off, I'm glad you recovered well from your, your illness. Thank goodness. Um, so does stress play, play a part in weakening the immune system? Undoubtedly, it does. Matter of fact, there's a report from the American Psychological Association that says that long-term stress weakens the responses of your immune system. And that's for, that actually occurs for a physical reason. That's because stress decreases the amount of lymphocytes um, you have in your body. These are white blood cells that help fight off infections. And the lower your lymphocyte levels, the more you're at risk for viruses and other, and pretty much other, any other medical issue. Now, if you notice that you're often sick, if you're, you feel fatigue, you have other nagging symptoms that you can't figure out, it may mean indeed that you have a weakened immune system. You have to work on that. Now, with regards to survival, there are a lot of different types of stress. There's stress from wounds, there's stress from malnutrition. They aren't as easy to deal with as mental stress, of course, due to overwork or personal issues. And, but all of them can be eased at least somewhat by things like good nutrition, physical therapy and exercise supportive surroundings. And, mm-hmm. and I want to talk about that, but uh, let's talk about that later. You have some good questions that, uh, uh, I think will allow me to really get into that. Sounds good. Sounds good. So are you, will you talk a little bit about building up your immune system? Is that something yes. that we can, we can absolutely. Matter of fact, it's, uh, that's, that's a, uh, that's a, that's a long topic. I'm going to go into it in detail. If okay. Uh, awesome. Because I think that's a lot of, a lot of people, uh, right now, so one of the things that we that we look at, one of the things I've always talked about is looking at other economic collapses that have happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, we look at things like Venezuela, and and I mean we saw that happening in real life over here. I remember reading the headlines, and uh, people couldn't find diapers. Then it was like feminine hygiene products, and then it seemed like it really accelerated. After that, I mean, they were eating the animals from the zoo and dogs and cats go missing and all those different kinds of things. That's something that we hear from uh, Fernando Aguirre from, you know, who, who went through the collapse in Argentina and was very, very smart about getting out of there because they, uh, you know, it just kind of keeps rehashing over there. But we don't always talk about the results of individual health, although that was one that I do remember looking at 
articles on the, the medical system in Venezuela and where they were headed and how there were people like on gurneys uh, and all they had was like ibuprofen. I mean, that was all they were giving them. That, that's all yeah. that they had. Mm-hmm. So have you as, you know, in your role as um, doctors and in being in, um, you know, th- that profession, have you guys studied or looked at what happens to the health of people going through a collapse? Yeah, I, I think we're going to actually learn more in the next few months about populations under these conditions from the war in Ukraine, as a matter of fact. Uh, Let's talk a little bit about how a collapse will occur now. So human societies are organized to solve problems. They require energy, financial power, other other kinds of energy to maintain themselves. Um, There's increased complexity of problems that these systems experience as they get bigger and it costs more to fix them. An investment in this complexity to solve more and more problems eventually become so huge that there just isn't the money and resources to maintain them. That's when things break down and things like what happened in Argentina and Venezuela, uh, what happened in Venezuela, what's going to happen or what is in the process of happening in Ukraine is current. So, uh, and that, and that affects trade communication strategy, just, just about everything, infrastructure, productivity. Now, all these things occurred in these places to, and it may not appear that way so far in Ukraine. I mean, the funny thing is that it seems like life in parts of Ukraine is pretty much not that abnormal. And if you watch the news, but the truth of the matter, it happens. And over time, people are going to starve. They're going to get sick without medical support. They're going to die as infrastructure ceases to exist. That's already happening. It can only spiral further out of control. Exactly. You know, as soon as, and and that's going to happen as soon as, the rest of the world becomes less interested in Ukraine and the external financial support dwindles. So Todd, your question actually though was about health without the financial energy to maintain the, the medical infrastructure that results uh, in an ambulance going to your door in about five minutes. Well, you know, the number of deaths are going to skyrocket without functioning pharmacies in an area, distribution of important drugs are going to cease. The diabetics are going to die. Those with hypertension are going to stroke out. All sorts of things are going to happen. Uh, a percentage of essential medical personnel, then people don't talk about this and really sort of embarrassed to talk about this, but essential personnel, we're going to leave the area for greener pastures if greener pastures exist. And, and you can take, uh, we can take Cuba's communist revolution as an example. A massive number of physicians joined the exodus of the higher classes to the whole, uh, as a whole, to the United States with the Cuban Revolution. So you're going to have less medical personnel. uh, Transport of food from farms to the cities will cease. Guess that that leads to what? Widespread malnutrition. Failure of water treatment systems is going to lead to rampant outbreaks of all sorts of infectious diseases, cholera, and things like that that you haven't seen in an area for decades or centuries could actually come back, things like that. Uh, mosquito-borne diseases would erupt in the warmer climates. You know, I, I really could just go on and on. All right. So um, that's, that's kind of scary. Do you guys think that something like that could happen? I mean, we know that. It has when, to happen, doesn't it? Yeah. When, when, we, when, when COVID went and it was locking down everything, I mean, that was one of the things that we were hearing is that people were dying of things that normally they would have called the an ambulance for, they would have gone to the emergency room for, but they weren't going because they didn't want to get COVID. And so they were kind of waiting. And then we know that all the 
you know, the people that were getting screened for all the other things that are out there. And we did see a lot of that happening, but I think it just gets exasperated if when we look at infrastructure breaking down and all those different kinds of things, it just, it just goes to a whole nother, a whole nother level. Well, um, what happens is you have to realize that there comes a point where the number of, of casualties or number of sick people just overwhelms the existing medical resources there to take care of them. I can guarantee you of the four or 500 people that they found dead on the street in Bucha in uh, Ukraine, I, I can guarantee you that n- not all of them died instantly as a result of being shot. I mean, there are people that were shot that just bled out probably over the course of a day before they actually died. Pain- and that's painfully because, and torturous. And that's because there were no ambulances, no medical personnel that were there to, to help them and whisk them off to a modern hospital. Or if there were people around, they were afraid to come out, you know, because obviously they were people were being shot on the street. And, you know, I mean, we're talking about a war here. And I, do I think there's going to be a war in the United States? I personally don't believe that, at least maybe in my lifetime. If anybody's going to come here, it's going to be China. So it just depends on how much we provoke them. Quote, that's what you're hearing all over the news. We don't want to provoke Putin. We don't want to provoke. Well, there's a whole nother country that might get provoked too. And they got a whole heck of a lot more single men that are just ready to die on the sword for their leader that's in right. China. They a lot had, more than, than Russia. They had a, a long time, a long period of time where they, there was a one child policy there. And if you had a girl, girls weren't particularly prized by the Chinese society, at least at that point. And uh, so uh, you wind, you wind up having uh, an entire generation. As a matter of fact, at one point there were 75 million men of military age in China that did not have a partner. Right. So they have nothing else to, to live for. And if the government promises, we'll take care of your parents. If something happens to you, you know, there's nothing to hold them back. So yes, I, I think our, our concern for a war here is probably just with China and we would be overwhelmed immediately. It, it, we would have no chance whatsoever. That doesn't mean but if that going- doesn't no, we're going to fight. We'll go all go down fighting. Believe me, out of my cold, dead hands. <laughs> but my other concern besides that, you know, small chance of a war is, again, back to Taiwan and not having the infrastructure, which needs computer chips to function, our electrical grid. Think of all the computer systems and the electrical grid. You know, you start losing those and you can't replace them for weeks or months or ever. We're going to have no electricity and it's just going to get worse and worse. And you don't have electricity. You can't manufacture anything that was being manufactured. And it's just a, a snowball. And so that that really does worry me. Well, I'm not not having a source for those things. It doesn't even have to go to like the whole grid down. I mean, it could just be not getting the parts to replace the medical equipment that are in hospitals and that, that doctors have become so used to, to using, you know, I mean, I'm not a physician. I don't know exactly all those, all those different types of things, but I know that, you know, in, in the teaching profession, we can get used to our laptops and we can get used to doing things like that. And then we, we, we're dealing with an older laptop and it's not able to function on the internet doing zoom and doing, you know, some of the other things that we need to do at the same time. And so all those different kinds of things begin to play in uh, dealing with, you know, not able to get your car repaired, not able to, you know, the people that really need the the small components, 
and, and how that starts to break down the infrastructure and all the things that we're dependent on. It's almost like nitpicking, you know, you little, little pieces or little chunks come off of the wall and pretty soon the wall just crumbles. But before the wall crumbles, you're losing all of these things. You know? that's, that's why when we write about <clears throat> a particular topic, we write about it as if something had happened and those high, that high technology or those uh, uh, advanced equipment uh, items just are not available. Right. They're right. Not working. Right. And, not in working order. That's, that's why I love your book. And it's so uh, it, it's so important. Well, again, we'll talk about that. I, I don't want to jump the gun on that one. because I, it, <laughs> I love your book. So one of the things that we hear about uh, in the preparedness community and really has kind of gone mainstream um, for whatever reason, I don't want I don't want to go into the is it planned? Is it you know, is it real? Is it, you know, all the all the different things. But we hear about food shortages and you keep hearing about it. Uh, we've been talking about it for a very, very long time. Sometimes I think people are like, okay, we keep hearing about the food shortages. Nothing has happened. But I, I do believe that we're going to feel a little bit of pain on, on this, uh, in, you know, in, in this realm here. So um, if we go down that road where we do have food sh- shortages, could vitamins play a big part of our nutrition? Uh, and if so, what should we be looking mm-hmm. for in a good vitamin? Well, I, I think they absolutely would. Uh, in our books, we recommend that the family medic stockpile vitamins to avoid the issues that deficiency due to survival-related food shortages will cause. From, from the standard of what to look for, you always want to pay attention to the product label, try to get as high a percentage of the recommended daily allowance, that's the RDA, RDA. as you can. Uh, this can end up uh, being a pretty big pill to take, but it's worth it. And I think that it's something that the family medic needs to have. Almost any multivitamin, honestly, will do. They all, uh, almost all include the main things that you need. Some vitamins may not give you enough support. Now, and I think that one of the things that we're chronically deficient in and should take a specific vitamin for, and you should have some extra of this, is vitamin D. D, I knew you were going to say that. Yeah, more than 40% (laughs) of the general population does not get enough vitamin D, even more in uh, uh, Hispanics and African Americans. And that's a substance that's very important to have, um, despite people just not getting enough of it. And uh, if you can have a good vitamin D level, you really helps fight respiratory and other infections. It's possible that you might've had a vitamin D deficiency. And if you had had a high vitamin D level that you might've been able to fight, you know, the, your infection a little better. Um, some people, of course, you know, some people say being out in the sun is enough, you know, to get the vitamin D that you need. But the, the truth of the matter is there are factors like weather and, you know, cloudiness, pollution, in the air, the amount of time that you spend indoors, all these are relevant when it comes to lack of vitamin D. Um, and for example, just clouds in the sky decrease the amount of ultraviolet energy from the sun by about 50%. And that means less vitamin D to you. The, the time of day is important as well too. Uh, almost all the vitamin D that you uh, absorb from sun exposure occurs between 10 o'clock in the morning, three o'clock in the afternoon. You're out at any other time and the sun is just too low in the sky to really cause any real vitamin D production. So, yeah. And by the way, you can get your vitamin D tested to see what level you have. I mean, what cons- constitutes a vitamin D deficiency is a matter of debate in some places, but uh, most people feel that normal levels, let me see, I have this written down at uh, 20, 
20 milligrams, 20 nanograms per milliliter is supposed to be a normal level. Um, uh, and mild deficiency is 12 to 20 and, and so significant deficiency is less than 20. And I say less than 12, sorry. Okay. And I think that you should shoot for at least 30 to 40. Normal levels are 20. You need to be at 30 to 40. And to get there, you might have to take more than the RDA, the recommended daily allowance. I take, I take 2000 to 5,000, something 5, 000, like that yeah. every, 5, every day. And I think that that is something that, that would be very important. Um, there are a lot of different, uh, issues that you could have if you just don't get enough vitamins. Now, from a survival standpoint, if we were talking about survival, you don't have to take these multivitamins every day to prevent the diseases and things and other medical problems that deficiencies would cause, but maybe once a week, you know, to allow you to stretch out your probably limited supply of these items. Makes sense. You know, one of the things that, um, that I have heard is you can take too many, too many vitamins, or you can take too much vitamin D. Um, you know, especially when, when I had COVID, I mean, you know, it was like zinc was one of the things that they were recommending that I, that I would take. And I've continued taking those things, but I've heard like, you can take too much zinc. You can't take too much vitamin D. Is that true? Or is that just people? Vitamin D, you know? there is, there is no known uh, long-term ill effect from taking less than 10,000 milligrams or international international units of vitamin D on a daily basis. And as a matter of fact, in people who have severe vitamin D deficiency, sometimes they'll give them like a hundred thousand units on a, you know, for a day or two, you know, to try to bring them up up quickly. But yes, some vitamins can have um, ill effects. Too much vitamin A A. is bad for you Too too much zinc can cause side effects. I'm not sure if it causes any kind of permanent damage, but you can get side effects from it. Um, so yeah, there are certain vitamins that you have to be careful. The water soluble, like the vitamin C, uh, your, your body just flushes it out. What you don't use, it just comes out. And that's kind of why you need to take vitamin C every day or, or get it through food sources um, mm-hmm. because the water soluble is washed down. It's the, it's the fat soluble vitamins that can be stored and start causing issues like a bottom line, get vitamins, get get vitamins, stock up on vitamins. Right. Uh, I don't, I don't know if you want to, uh, you feel comfortable recommending a specific one or just any multivitamin out there pretty much, you know, I can't say we're not married to any particular brand. We don't, when we buy them, um, I try to look you know, does it seem like it's a quality company? What are they revealing about themselves or how they process it or where they get them from? I try to do as much, you know, research, but I can't say that I always buy the same brand or that one particular brand, you know, shines more than others. Look at the label. And as I said before, try to get as high, um, the high amount of the percentage of the recommended daily RDA, allowance right. of all, of all the various vitamin uh, vitamins that they list on the label. Yeah. All right. That sounds re- really, really good. All right. So one of the, one of the other things in the survey was, you know, the concerns was finances. And then of course, later on, when you look at emergency uh, situations, what, what are some of your concerns? It was economic collapse. So it, you know, it was kind of funny. Like the personal concerns were uh, were health and finances, but when you go to what's your preparedness, your emergency preparedness concern, it was economic collapse and then grid down. What was the second one? So 
I, I want to kind of ask a question about, you know, economics and finances and all that kind of stuff as a result of that. What would you think would be uh, the medical conditions that we might face as a result of an economic collapse and or a time period of food shortages? So kind of combining the things that we've been talking about there. Basically, are there any concerns to our health that we should consider when it seems like <laughs> and this is kind of like, uh, you know, this is the fabric of society is is still intact, but things seem to be getting worse. Other than the stress, are, are there things that we should be looking at? Well, what's happening in places like Mariupol and uh, those those are things that you have to worry about. And, and things the main thing that will occur there is malnutrition. Malnutrition is going to be the concern from any obviously long term food shortage. And, you know, and especially people that live in areas which have a lot of people that have to be fed, then that's something that you have to be worried about. Malnutrition takes uh, more than one form, by the way. There's undernutrition. That's what you, you're seeing probably in Mariupol right now and, and, and other cities that are under siege, um, wasting uh, kids, growth being stunted, and of course, losing weight, you know, due to inadequate quantity of food. But then there's people who do get adequate intake, but they have very bad diets and they have inadequate intake of vitamins and minerals. They have made enough caloric intake, but not enough vitamins and minerals and not getting a balanced diet, you know, that keeps you healthy. And that leads actually to a lot of diet related uh, diseases. These aren't infectious diseases, but like, let's say scurvy, scurvy is one. Lack of vitamin C in the diet causes scurvy. There are a number of diseases that uh, certain deficiencies will cause uh, rickets in kid in little kids that are developing their bones from not enough vitamin D. Um, there's something called beriberi. That's for a vitamin B1 or thiamine deficiency. Uh, there's something called pellagra from a niacin deficiency as vitamin B3. And each has their own symptoms. For pellagra, it's uh, the four Ds, diarrhea, dermatitis, uh, dementia, and even death. For scurvy, it's uh, bleeding sores, sometimes around the mouth, oftentimes around the mouth, uh, tooth loss, anemia, uh, reduce of uh, rate of healing from wounds, and, and, and yes, death. A lot of these things can be serious enough to actually kill you. Uh, another form of uh, malnutrition goes the other way. And believe it or not, obesity is actually a form of malnutrition. You eat a lot, you're overweight, but you don't get the nutrition you need to stay healthy. And this is likely... Uh, to be a problem, less likely to be a, a problem in a collapse than the others, but there are going to be situations where uh, people in underserved areas or people who in very poor areas wind up getting uh, government surplus food, government cheese, you know, you things like that. And if they only eat things like that, they could be very obese, but, but could be very, could actually get sick from being malnourished. You know, um, as you as you're talking about those things. So one of the things that I, I try to stay aware of is just inflammation in my body, you know, and just by eating and, and not eating the right things and, and different. I mean, I try to be healthy and try to eat the right things, but I've noticed. So I always talk about a, a little tonic that I drink uh, that I saw years ago and I just made it part of my morning routine is uh, water, lemon, turmeric, um, and then, and then honey. Uh, and then I had added uh, cayenne pepper to it, but I stopped making a full thing because it would start to ferment and it would start to get bubbly and stuff by the end of the week. So I just kind of make it every single, every single day. 
And uh, I started putting my vitamin C in there because I use a powdered form of vitamin C. And uh, there was a vitamin D that we were using that was in liquid form. The week before I got sick, I went to a conference and uh, I, the Monday, and I pre-made everything. So I usually mix it every morning and make a, a, a fresh little batch just to drink. But I, I pre-mixed it so that I wouldn't have to take everything with me. And I put it in the refrigerator in the hotel room. That first morning when I drank it, I felt like I was going to throw up. And it is just like, it was really weird, you know? And so like, I actually went into the restroom and I was like over the, the toilet. I'm like, okay, here we go. I mean, I don't know what's going on, but here we go. I'm, I always drink this. And so I didn't take it. I didn't, you know, the things that I normally take on a regular basis, I didn't take it for a full week while I was at that conference. And again, with the stress and my immune system, I think, you know, that was one of the reasons why I, 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 I got sick. It happened again this morning, and I think it's when I'm drinking it on a on a empty stomach when I feel like that because it, normally I drink it and I'm eating a piece of toast or something like that in the morning, and and it doesn't affect me that way. But I've also noticed on that uh, I I have gout, you know. So I always used to joke at my <laughs> make fun of my dad when he would get gout and he would have this nasty ball on the end of his toe, and I would always you know make fun of him for for having that. Now it it shows up in me a little bit different is like around my ankles and stuff. But I noticed that when I don't drink that tonic, that uh, for whatever reason, uh, I, I like maybe a month's worth because I just gotten lazy or whatever. And I haven't done it since then that I wind up getting gout. And so I think that, and it's really kind of happened two times to me. So since then it was like, you got to take it Todd, even if you, you know, you, you, you don't like the taste of it or whatever. But I think that inflammation is a big is going to be a big part in in people's lives, and that uh, that hurts people. And uh, is there anything that you you would say to that? Or uh, I mean, I know I talked a lot about a bunch of different things there, but anything on inflammation that you can give us that that we don't even pay attention to in our body? Well, you know, a lot of people really just don't know, or or they have what's called subclinical inflammation, and and you really can't tell. I mean, you almost have to do some tests like C-reactive protein and other kinds of tests that identify, identify inflammation or, or even white cell counts, things like that. Um, so it, it's really hard sometimes to really identify when you're, you're having inflammation. There are, of course, a lot of anti-inflammatory drugs, the NSAIDs, uh, like ibuprofen and things like that are, are useful for visible inflammation, but they're still working out, you know, what to do just, <clears throat> just in general as a maintenance uh, and, and what you've done, turmeric is actually well known to be anti-inflammatory. There are a lot of natural products. We per, grow it. Quercetin. We actually grow it. I have a ton, it. We, of, we have tar- ton, ton of turmeric. If you want me to put in a box, I literally have 20 pounds of turmeric that I grew yeah. organically. Yeah, we have a big, big uh, medicinal <laughs> garden. <laughs> and so and we have lots of that. It just loves my soil. Yeah, well, <laughs> I, I don't want to have to like, you know, grate it or, you know, <laughs> <laughs> put it to the powder form. It's so much easier to, to buy it off of Amazon oh, or whatever. Let me tell you, that stuff is incredibly staining. Yes. If you uh-huh. touch it, you will be yellow for days. Mm-hmm. And if you get it under your nails, you're, you look crazy because then your <laughs> nails are all yellowish orange. I, I know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I'm very careful when I, when I deal with it, Yeah, uh, but I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> The, I can't uh, offload my turmeric. <laughs> you're going to have to wait until until uh, you know the poop hits the fan and people are looking for it. Right. 
but uh, it's great. It's great. The medicinal uh, garden, I think, is something that probably doesn't get a lot of uh, attention. In, in the I think it's really community. important, and I think that people should go to their agricultural extension office and see if they have what's called a master gardener program. We're master gardeners through the state of Florida through the agricultural extension office, and almost every state has it, and it, it teaches you a lot about agriculture and uh, some, some about growing food, some about different uh, things that are, that grow naturally in your area. I think that's important. Right. Unfortunately, they also tell you how to make a nice lawn, <laughs> which is with putting bear, bear poisons on it, yeah, which is actually find pretty, out that's useless. I but, is completely mm-hmm. useless. I, I would say that you need to look into the curriculum yeah. and find out how much focus they have on crops and food process processing, because some of the programs, depending on where it is and who's running it and what their philosophy is, the guy who was teaching us loved to put poison on everything, spray it with this, pour, yeah. pour this in a, in a one gallon and dump it on the roots. And I was horrified every time the guy opened his mouth and started saying this i'm like uh, what about organically what can we do what about neem oil and and bronner's castile soap and uh, he would just like laugh at me i'm like but it works it really works anyway so find out about the program before you get into it and then you have to argue with your teacher like i did (laughs) (laughs) well well, that's uh that's good maybe that's a topic that we we should cover in, (laughs) in the future uh, medicinal, you know what? Do you you talk about that in your book as well? You know, uh, oh, yeah. yes. different herbs and stuff that we should be going. All right, so just getting back to this topic here about food and health and all that kind of stuff, um, and in economic collapse. So, in a situation where there is an economic collapse, uh, where families are struggling struggling to purchase healthy, nutritious food, or even just the food that they need. What are some of the signs that you would be looking for uh, if you were concerned about someone's health at different stages of life? Right. Well, let's go. Let's talk about some signs and symptoms of malnutrition. That's, again, one of the main thing that's, things that are going to be a problem. So uh, from let's start with what you would normally see in the average and the average adult. And that would you would notice. Uh, a lack of appetite or interest in food or drink. You would see tiredness and irritability, inability to concentrate, always feeling cold, depression, loss of fat, muscle mass, body tissue, uh, a higher risk of getting sick and taking longer to heal and longer healing times for wounds. And that's what you would expect to see in the average adult. Now, that's different from what you would see necessarily in children. You see some of that in children, but there may be a lack of growth, low body weight, You'll see the kids are tired, the lack of energy, again, irritability and uh, anxiety, which is something you would see in kids that you may not see in adults. Um, of course, you see behavioral, intellectual, slow development, uh, learning difficulties. And then you have old people. And, you know, so me, so my concerns are going to be different than the average adult and, and of course, different than the average child. So in somebody my age, you know, with issues with, with uh, nutritional problems, you would see things like unplanned weight loss, you would see um, weakness, fatigue, loss of appetite, you would see swelling, swelling and fluid accumulation, something that you'll see in some in, in elderly people. Um, 
loss of appetite to the point that they're eating only a very tiny amount of food at a time. That's, un that's unusual in an adult. That's unusual in a kid. That's not that uncommonly seen in malnourished uh, elderly, that even if they're in need of uh, nutrition, they're just not getting enough. Uh, of course, uh, people that are elderly like me have trouble. Stop saying like me. Have trouble concentrating. <laughs> I was just thinking, what was I about to say? <laughs> Here, here's an, here's oh, an example so of an funny. elderly guy that has difficulty concentrating. Um, older folk, too, they don't have enough uh, fat on them. So they're always cold, always complaining of being cold. And of course, you start losing hair. <laughs> Or your hair falls okay, out. Stop easily. being the poster child uh, for poster all the child problems. Poster child for elderly, <laughs> elderly malnutrition. Or well, you're not malnutrition, I'm, I'm not honey. <laughs> no, it's the government cheese that uh, is doing it. No, mm. <laughs> yeah. you're you're a young guy, Doctor oh, Joe. You're, there's, there's no doubt, no doubt about it, no doubt about it. And I'm sure Nurse Amy keeps you keeps you hopping over there. Uh, just I, I, uh, how busy you, you guys are. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I mean, I tell them every day we've got so much work to do that you just can't die because I need you. So and I told him if he tries to, I'm just going to yank him back. So I'm not giving him up. I, I told him he's got till 100. And then, you know, if he wants to, you know, pass on, then that's his choice. But Thanks. till 100. You are here and I got work for you to do. <laughs> no, I mean, there's no, no such thing as retirement, right? I mean, forget no. it. No, absolutely that, not none of that that's that's a fairly recent thing anyway where people retired and and just sit around and not do anything you that know? sounds awful yeah no. i can't imagine waking up in the morning and not having a list of things that, that i that. need to do that i should do to help people or or do some i mean in the kits yes it's it's tedious but that kit goes to somebody who may save someone's life with it right you know so you know, at the time it's, you know, it's pain and waterproof bags and put everything in the right place. But I know that it's going and possibly going to do something really good for people. And so we wake up every day. We've got a lot of work to do, but it's good work. I feel like we're doing good work. And you're you know? talking, you're talking about the medical kits that y'all are putting yeah. together to sell on your website. And those have been flying off the shelves. Yeah. And, and, yeah. Yeah, and we, pa we pack them when they're ordered. I mean, you know, it's not like I have a, a bunch of them just sitting around waiting to, oh, yeah, we'll just put those in a box. Your your order comes in and we pick the color and we choose the tourniquet based on your choices. And then we make the bag and then it goes off to you. So there's nothing pre-made here. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think that's important because you can buy all those pre-made things and they, they usually stuff them with very inferior products. Oh, you know? terrible. I, I, I've seen your kits and I've seen other kits out there and it's like, oh, man, you know. You, when 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 you need the medical kit, you want the good stuff. You, yeah. you, don't, you don't want to have to have the cheap stuff. Sure, lives depend on. I mean, even as simple as a band aid not sticking can just be a pain in the butt. Because then you go through ten of them when you should have just been able to put one of them on. <laughs> you yeah, know, there, your yeah. supplies dwindle if you don't make the investment for something a little right. bit better. Well, speaking of busy, I mean, before we started recording, you shared with me uh, about your book and how. Things have been just really crazy with the sell of your book. It was uh, 24 in all of Amazon uh, all recently Amazon. of all books. And that's not just one oh. you know, specific, specific uh, category, right? Category, yeah. right. 
I mean, that's, that's pretty crazy. And, you know, my listeners know that I've been always, uh, I've always talked about it. Even on prepper website, if you go, it'll say the first book you should ever buy as a prepper and here it is. And they link to it and, and it's, it goes to Amazon for your, for your book. Tell us a little bit about why the book is flying off the shelves or why you think it's flying off the shelves and uh, you know, your experiences with that. Well, I think that people are very, very insecure about health issues now because of the pandemic. I think they're very insecure about the future in terms of the ability of the infrastructure to remain uh, intact uh, due to either, uh, well, international tensions and things, places like Ukraine and China, things like that. Supply or, ships or, or, not coming. Or the fact that infrastructure, you know, is affected by the inability to get certain raw materials that just are not produced anymore in this country or, or just were never produced in this country. Right. So, I mean, there's no cell phones being made in the United States these days and there and a lot of other products. And so people are beginning to wonder if they're going to wind up on their own at one point or another. And when we mean on their own, I mean, not just subsisting, but also from a medical standpoint. And when you're alone from a medical standpoint, the last thing you want to do is not know what to do if there's an emergency. And so people, that's why people are reading our book because everything in our book is assumes that something has happened and that you are in this very austere environment off the grid and you have to make do with limited supplies and just what, what knowledge you just happen to put together. So we, our job is to give you that knowledge and to make you effective, tell you what supplies you actually really need that can work, you know, without, let's say, even electricity and, you know, make you effective in the role of family medic. And, and what we're, our goal is to make an army of medics yeah. held in reserve for the uncertain future. And, and this is what I think is driving the interest in our book. And the fact that it's uh, people who have seen previous volumes of our book see that this one is about twice as big mm-hmm. now and, and, and weighs about weighs about five pounds. This is a big, Almost, big yeah. book. <laughs> it's, and, a, it's textbook size. Right. And, really, uh, and so it's, it's really off the shelf. On occasion, it actually outsells Webster's Dictionary. You know, I mean, that's that's how many people are are concerned about this type of thing. And uh, so, you know, we're, we're blessed to have, you know, the confidence of a lot of people. Uh, and uh, we, we try to give them the advice that we would give a member of our family in the book. Everything that I mentioned in the book is the same advice I would give my brother, my son, my, you know, any, any member of my family in the same circumstance. Yeah, well, and I'll just second everything that you said. The um, the information in the book is is awesome, y'all. Not only do you deal with all the medical stuff, but you also deal with essential oils. A lot of people, you know, they they laugh at me when I talk about essential oils. Like, you're a guy. Come on, Todd. You know, man. <laughs> but I know, I know that it works. Um, use all uh, the tools in the woodshed. Yeah, use it. Use it all. You know. And uh, my my dad was just recently talking about how. Uh, when he has sinus pressure and stuff like that, I mean, he has an essential oil that he diffuses and it, it works for him. And that's one of the things, you know, that, that he, he relies on, you know, and yeah, eucalyptus it, is great for that. It, it's, it's for example, for, for example. Yeah, definitely. All right. So let's go ahead and wrap all this up. Uh, I'm, I'm, well, I'm going to say, if you don't have Dr. Bones or Dr. Joe Alton's and, and, and Amy's 
book, you, you need to get it. And it's one thing that one that I've always recommended. I say it's the first book that every prepper should have. Um, when I, when I first started getting into preparedness, even before I had prepper website, I found your site and it was like, you know, this is, this is so important. The knowledge is so important because you can figure out how to do a fire and how to do food storage and all those different kinds of things. And, and you can get some idea of, of, of health, you know, and, and, and medical preparedness, but that's, that's something that a lot of people need to put inside of their head and have that knowledge when, when the time comes. So the book is definitely one of those resources that you should have. So just kind of wrapping this up and, and putting a bow on it outside of working out and eating well, what should preppers do right now to be in the very best possible health moving forward into the, the unknown that we're in right now? Well, one thing, Todd, you should do is use the high technology that we have right now, right at this moment to resolve or at least improve some of the medical issues that you have to deal with on a daily basis. Let's say you have a bum knee. How long do you think you're going to survive after a disaster hobbling around on a bum knee? Or, you know, I mean, get some of that floating cartilage out with something with a minimally invasive procedure. Things like arthroscopy can take care of that get you active and get you mobile again, that's going to be very important. If you're blind as a bat, you know, well, when your last contact lens dries out, your somebody steps on your glasses. Well, you oh, could no. have, you could have <laughs> had LASIK technology to get 2020 vision. I mentioned to you uh, before a show that I, I did, I had it 20 years ago and that I've got the eyes of a, of an Eagle, a, a very elderly Eagle <laughs> maybe, but uh, the eyes of an Eagle. So, but wait, you, you should also tell them that you had one eye fixed when you started losing a little bit of reading. And so he had a second surgery. So one eye reads the Bottom computer line, you can and the other it. eye sees far away. So yep. it can't, you can get rid of these reading glasses if you want. D- different issues can be dealt with, with high, high technology, as long as it's available. And, and as long as it's available, get into the best physical shape as possible. Now, of course you don't have to necessarily use high technology or you want to get physically fit, right? So you want to be able to walk with a backpack for a distance without collapsing. So you might want to consider trying that, go do some hiking, things like that. You want to also learn some medical skills so you can identify and treat, identify, see what's wrong with somebody and and maybe treat some of the many problems that you're bound to face as a family medic, you know, get a good stockpile pile of supplies. We've written about fish antibiotics and things like that. You know, th- these are things that can save lives if you, you're knocked off the grid and thrown back to the 18th, 19th century uh, medically due to some disaster. Uh, Nurse Amy has some great medical kits uh, or individual items you can stock up on and you can even sell them in bulk, bulk if you want. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about boosting immunity if we have the time. Uh, it's important to understand the immune system's not a single entity. It's a number of different defense mechanisms that have to work in harmony. And to have it function optimally, changes are sometimes required in diet and lifestyle. There's lots you can do that make things to make things better. Um, the first strategy is replacing the bad habits that you have with good ones. So across the board, smokers, less able to fight respiratory infections than non-smokers. This is something that yeah. killed some people who wound up getting COVID and you know, got to stop smoking. You certainly would suffer if you continue to smoke from decreased stamina. That's not going to help you in a survival setting. So stop as soon as possible. And by the way, vaping is not better as much better, not much better as an option. It's better, not much better. Just quit. Uh, drinking, that should be kept to moderate levels. Uh, uh, that's uh, 
what is it? Seven drinks for women and 14 drinks for men. Per week. Yeah, right. Per week. Per, per week. week. Yeah. One <laughs> not daily. So, and why is it such a difference for men and women? It's not just the fact that men generally wear weigh more than women. Most men don't wear weigh twice as much as their wife, for example. Uh, but alcohol actually disperses in the body's water. And pound for pound, women have less water in their systems than men. So that's sort of interesting. Um, women also tend to have low called alcoholic de alcohol dehydrogenase uh, than men. And alcohol dehydrogenase breaks down alcohol in the liver. Men have more of it. So therefore, alcohol stays in a woman's system longer right. and accumulates faster. Uh, you want to improve your sleep habits. That's so important. In good times or bad, a bad sleep pattern that can make wreak havoc with your immune system. People who are sleep deprived are at risk for all sorts of medical problems and, uh, and have high stress levels, things like cortisol. Um, you make me want to go take a nap. Better nighttime <laughs> habits. And if you do, well, see that that's not, not, not we good never nap ever. Yeah, that's not good because ever. you need to have a routine. You want to pick a regular time <laughs> for lights out and you want to stick to it. And if your body's trained to expect sleep at a certain time, you'll get more sleep faster. You'll get to sleep faster and get more sleep total. You want to block out the light in your, in your sleep space, whatever it is, got to be dark at night. And so you, if you can't achieve enough light blockage, you need to wear shades or, you know, so, or those little, uh, what are they called? They're just, Oh yeah. I don't things know. they give you in, in the, in airlines that used to give you in airlines. Yes. Uh, just there's an official name and neither of us can <laughs> think of it. All right. Uh, so block <laughs> out the light, get rid of those extraneous noises. That's important. Get some Wait. sun in the mornings. Keep cool. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to go fast. I know you're out of town. Um, <laughs> avoid you're, late. You're good. You're good. Take your time. Oh, okay. I, good. I, right. Yeah. All right. All right. So, so that's it. Cooler temperatures. They, they make for uh, deeper sleep. Um, getting rid of extraneous noises. You know, if there are noises that, that are keeping you awake at night, you know, then you might need to use earplugs and that might not be a bad idea. Um, you should shut off the computer a little earlier at night than you do. In normal times, computers and televisions have really disrupted our natural sleep patterns. And off the grid, you know, it's probably better to read a book uh, at night because that seems to help you shut down for for the rest of the for the rest of the night. Wait, seems to get I masks is what I masked. I masked. I masked. Or they also call them sleep masks. Sleep masks. Okay. But I masked All right. specifically. All right, there you go. Um, keep away from late, late meals or snacks. Heartburn is very common when you're lying flat. So don't eat anything for at least two hours or so before you go to sleep. That's important. Or also, more, also or by more, the way, eating actually. before sleep makes the brain more active and less likely to nod off. And of course, regular exercise that increases endorphins, chemicals that help to relieve pain or stress. Everybody knows that, but for the best night's sleep, however, you should not exercise just before bedtime, the effect on sleep differs from person to person, though some people actually have me find it helps them sleep, but most people actually doesn't. I want to talk about nutrition real quick. Uh, the most important change you can make is to decrease this consumption of what? Sugar. sugar. Yes. Yes. Sugar. Is, sugar. Sugar is poison. Pointing at him. I, sugar. I, he is a sugar addict. That's Admit not it. true. That's not true. All right. Well, he likes it, but he doesn't uh, eat but it. It tastes. It good. tastes really good. I mean, he loves. Yeah. He loves yeah. the taste, but he's actually very disciplined. That is very that, proud of you. That is. That is the type of. That's from your grandma. That's a, that's a treat. He got it from his grandma. She mm -hmm. gave him a lot of sugar when he was a very young baby. That's right. <laughs> so anyhow. That decreases the immune system's ability to attack germs. That's important. And the um, unfortunately, 
people wind up drink eat just continuing to let's say sip on a soda or something like that and it just keeps the blood the blood sugar levels high for long yeah. long periods of time that's very bad for you yeah um older people especially need good nutrition they eat less generally and they have less variety in their diets and a lot of people have this micronutrient deficiency they talk about mm -hmm. um and even in the de developed countries the elderly lack certain vitamins and trace minerals that affect the efficiency of their immune response. So for those people, I think a regular take regularly taking uh, a multivitamin, I think there are specific multivitamins for old folks. They usually have the eponym silver on them, you know, uh, as if they're specifically meant for older right. folks, uh, vitamins, if you're low on vitamins at different foods are good. Vitamin A, of course you can get that from egg yolks, cheese, nuts, legumes, uh, salmon, yeah, uh, oh, oh, God, there's just so many things. B12, you can get it from eggs, meat, and dairy products, vitamin C, of course, from berries and citrus, tomatoes, red peppers, uh, vitamin D from fish, beef liver, egg yolks, uh, vitamin E from vegetable oils. I'm writing, I'm reading some of these offs. Um, I'm sorry about that. Um, iron, of course, lean red meat. That's going to be important to you, but you actually can get it from, from beans, from quinoa, uh, spinach, broccoli, and uh, zinc. We mentioned zinc, shellfish, and other seafood, chicken, red meat, nuts, and beans, and, and of course, a whole lot more. We mentioned these in our book, of course. Um, fresh garlic and raw honey, good stuff. Both of these have been documented to have antibacterial and antiviral effects. I want people to include them in their diet. And of course, chicken soup. What about chicken soup? I huh? love chicken soup. Many people include chicken soup as their food uh, in their food storage. And it's a, a time honored cold and flu remedy. It's not just an old wife's tale. Research actually shows that it decreases the duration and intensity of respiratory infections by slowing the movement of white blood cells to the oral and nasal cavity. It decreases inflammation, believe it or not. So that's, that's a good thing. It reduces congestion, eases other symptoms. So it might actually help to limit the amount of time that viruses come into contact with the lining of the nose and decrease the length of a cold. And last thing, stress levels. Of course, you mentioned meditation, yoga, massage therapy, stuff like that. This is part of what you need to do to reduce stress. This is good too. But, <laughs> but now, so, so that is the deal. You just got to try to get as much stress out. You have less control than, than you'd like, of course, over the amount of stress to which you're exposed. But there are right. the, these strategies that can certainly help. Now, people who meditate regularly, by the way, may have healthier immune systems. Actually, there are studies that actually say that. So that's, that's something. Um, Even if it's else? just five minutes right. to just sit and clear your mind. And just try to take all of those things that are going across your brain like a ticker tape that just constantly and, it's, and it circles around. You have all the whole list. And then when you get through the list, it just circles around and you start thinking about the first thing you thought about. And it just goes over and over. So just spend, you know, five minutes. It doesn't take long. And just try to pull those cobwebs out and just think of something that makes you really, really happy. You know, give, give all of that up. And just think of something really happy. We're also big fans of probiotics and, of course, herbs, various herbs. You mentioned turmeric, uh, quercetin, uh, echinacea, uh, eucalyptus. A lot of these things are really cayenne good. Pepper. Cayenne pepper. Yep. You know, there are just so, so many of them. And some of them aren't just 
help you strengthen your immune system. Some of them help modulate your immune system. That, in other words, they help your immune system act strongly, but they modulate its effect so it doesn't go overboard. overboard that's right. what's ha- that's Under what, or over. That's right. what killed a lot of people with COVID. Is their immune system just went haywire right. trying to fight the infection. And it just uh, ended up killing themselves. Yeah. Causing something called cytokine storm, which was a killer for a lot of people. Yep. Yeah. That, that's interesting on the, what was that term of the, the herbs that helped to balance again? Immunomodulators. Immunomodulators. All right. So that might be something to, to look into and, and to talk about. Definitely. Yeah, we can future. talk about it. We talk about them in, in the book and uh, we're always happy to come back and talk okay. about them in more detail. All right. Sounds good. Well, guys, I, I appreciate you taking time out of your busy days to, uh, <laughs> to uh, sit down with us and talk a little bit about health and, and uh, nutrition and vitamins and all the, you know, the things, food that we've been talking about. For those that are new to the podcast and new to you guys, although I think uh, y'all have been on the podcast more than anybody else. Uh, so, but those that, those that are new, uh, how can they find you? Well, they can check us our website out at uh, doomandbloom.net or doomandbloom.com. They'll both go to the website. We'll, we'll find over 1300 articles, podcasts, videos, and, and more on our website, all about survival medicine and uh, you can also check out our YouTube channel, Dr. Bones Nurse Amy, Dr. Bones Nurse Amy. Um, our, our blog talk radio uh, uh, podcast is called the Survival Medicine Podcast. I, I'm just going to say, if you go to doomandbloom.net, I have icons at the top of the website that link you to all of Everything. these things he's listing. There are YouTube channel. You can just click on a little YouTube icon. The blog talk will have a little microphone. You can click on that. It'll lead you to our Facebook group, um, your personal Facebook. It'll lead you, um, if you scroll down a little bit, it'll lead you to the store. There's a little box that says, you know, check out our first aid kits. Um, that particular website is store.doomandbloom.net. Um, but all of it, if you get to doomandbloom.net, it will feed you to wherever you'd like to go, depending on, on do you like to view things and see things or do you do you prefer to hear something while you're driving or, or doing other activities? So it just or reading. Do you want the physical book? So, you know, we try to provide different ways to teach people. And I put it on the people to decide what their preference is to learn. And some people like to do it all. They want to hear it, they want to see it, and they want to read it. And don't forget, we have an entire (laughs) line of uh, quality medical kits over at store.doomandbloom.net. Awesome. Definitely, I would recommend everyone going to and check them out. I'm going to link to the website on my uh, in the show notes, and so you can go and jump right over there really, really quickly. Guys, thanks so much for, again, taking time to hang out with us. We greatly appreciate it. Well, we thank you too, Todd. Thank you for having us and also for everything you do for the preparedness community. You are a blessing. You're worth your weight in gold. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. All right. God bless, guys. Well, thanks again, Dr. Joe and Nurse Amy Alton. It's always great to have you on the podcast. I greatly appreciate it when you take time to, to come and visit with us. Well, everyone, that is it for episode 736. And like always, I'm going to link to uh, the websites where you can go and get a little bit more information and connect with Dr. Joe and Nurse Amy. If you're new to the podcast and you haven't subscribed, 
You can easily do that in your favorite podcast app. Just click the subscribe button and that way you'll never miss another episode of Sweet Prepper Goodness. And don't forget, if you're looking for more preparedness and self-reliant information, head on over to PrepperWebsite.com where we link to 8 to 12 articles of the very best survival, homesteading, and other self-reliant articles on the web. We also have pages dedicated to alternative news, firearms, DIY, Bible prophecy, frugal living, and homesteading. And lastly, don't forget to join the email list if you haven't. When you do, I'm going to send you a free PDF on 25 handpicked preparedness articles that you should read. And with that, choose to live a more self-reliant life. Choose not to be so dependent on the government grid or the grind. Until next time, live with no regrets and stay prepped and aware. Peace.